listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in to Reset Race. Uh, uh. You're listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in to Reset Race. What? Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh. You're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America great. Uh. You're tuned in to Reset Race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to Reset Race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh. You're tuned in to Reset Race. You'll find out who really done justice and really who fake. Early edge go back to U.S. Southern plantations. Penny's, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. Redlining lynchings. We are old from this nation. You're not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG the wise one. Cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire. Anti-black repressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country. The way you need our energy. Go on, see. Listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh. You're listening to reset race. Adults need reparations to make America great. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. You'll find out who really about justice and really who fake. Uh, jump in right so brianna is trying to recreate the new deal coalition and for those of y'all who don't know what the new deal coalition northern racists and southern racists came together to block poor black people from getting their cut of the new deal and yes there was a couple of poor white farmers who got cut in who got screwed in that process but edie told me about a family member who went and got a job a federal jobs program in the federal jobs program for the new deal. So they might've got screwed on the farming bit, but they were able to go into something else. So what she's trying to do is rebuild that coalition and that coalition fucks us. The Democratic Party was a strange uh, bedfellows uh, institution. Uh, Northern liberals like Robert Wagner of New York, uh, Southern racists like Theodore Bilbo of Mississippi. And after 1938, a majority of Democrats in Congress were from the 17 states in the Union that practiced mandatory racial segregation. So one of the questions I placed front and center in the book was, well, what difference did that make? Um, we kept legislative uh, government. Um, we kept lawmaking. We kept democracy. But we did so in a Faustian bargain, a Faustian bargain that linked modern American democracy and its remaking to the least liberal, least democratic part of the American polity. I know you're a New Dealer, and I know you I, want the New Deal without the racism, and I do too. Yeah, I agreed with everybody. Like, it's a centuries old, like, what was Brianna thinking? It's not just years. Like, this, the groundwork has been laid with, for this ever since the end of the Civil War. And two, like, shaming is the only way to go. That's the only thing. We need more good people who have it in their heart to um, 
who helped change the conversation to stand up. And I know a lot of these good people and I'm actually starting to see them stand up with COVID um, and, you know, but it's difficult. You're right. They get cut out, shut out of their church groups, um, you know, and that's most important and their, uh, their social groups. So, but I firmly believe shaming in, I hate to say violence, the, the two things that these the folks like this grew up with is shaming and violence. That's how they were reared. Um, that's how they were controlled by their parents. So they naturally, a lot of these people, I can't say everybody, but I know, you know, if you grew up in Southern culture, you know, Southern culture, they're proud of their weapons and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, shame and violence for the way to go. I choose, I wouldn't want, I don't want to go to that violence route. So I say we should shame as much as possible. And as far as the New Deal coalition, you know, of course, um, there was a switch going on in the Republican Party that we should talk about at some point where they were trying to attract whites more. So they were pushing against black people and they didn't have anywhere to go. And so they ended up in the lump with the coalition and they totally got screwed by Dixie Kratz and, you know, Northern folks who did not want to do um, these programs for black people. Um, so, yeah. I would, I'm for the New Deal and I want New Deal with no racism. Um, but Dixie Kratz, like Joe Manchin, always stand in our way, don't they? I mean, he is a Dixie Kratz and he's pulling his role 85 years later, the same as, um, you know, somebody, some Republican is doing whatever. I got lost in that one. But yeah, we got the straight We got where you're straight. going. So Y'all got said, anything before I go back? To, okay, please go ahead. I do. That. She's she, she asked if this was scalable. And um, I don't know if she knows this, but like about four score and a couple years ago, right? They used to call Germany, Germany Nazi Germany. These days, uh -huh. they just call it regular Germany. So apparently, <laughs> this is pretty scalable. The violence in all of it, I'm just saying. And as far as like working with these extremist groups um, for practical reasons, how come nobody's looking to work with ISIS. Didn't they just take mm. over Afghanistan? Right. And aren't there like 2 billion Muslims? Don't we yeah. need the numbers? Oh, because or does it only Christians. work when it's white people? They're not Christians and they're not white. But I'm saying these Nazis, like we went to war with these people. <laughs> we tried the to The same way this. we did with the Confederates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but many they, people they, in our government agreed with them at the time on something. Like, this is anti-American terrorism. I don't understand why we as Black Americans, and she invoked that, she invoked that identity, so she has to hold this. I don't understand why we as Black Americans have to embrace this. Like, no, absolutely not. Like, I had nothing to do with the Nazism, and I don't want nothing to do with it now. Y'all keep that over there. I'm with it. Anybody else? All right, let's rock back into it then. Um, and that they have been able to scale it at a significant degree. That in some ways, and we've talked about the Powell memo on the show a lot, but it's this, you know, famous memo by soon to be Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell, where he set out an agenda for the conservative party in the 1970s and said, well, look, we're losing the culture wars. This is how we fix it. And they, it was, it was, you know, 30 years before Fox News, which was 
one of the goals of the Powell Memo, a right-wing news organization, manifested. And, you know, we're just now seeing the apotheosis of their efforts to take the Supreme Court and all of this stuff, right? And that there is a way that the long game, I think, while frustrating and not as um, instant gratif instantly gratifying, is very effective. On the other hand, I'm concerned about what it means to say something like, we don't let them into our towns, we don't let them into our universities, just as an, on a logistical level. I don't know what that even begins to look like. And so I am skeptical about the idea that that in and of itself could be scalable. You're completely entitled to your- So I wanna go with that, right? Where she was like, well, how would we find out? Well, how about we just start with the ones who are actively participating in Nazism? The people going to the meetings, getting the tattoos, writing the hate speech. How about we start there? I feel like America knows how to do this. I feel like a little stop and frisk, a little mass incarceration. We'll get this figured out. Yeah, and the, the keeping them out of our schools. I think there was a thing called segregation that, you know, you know, we, we figured this, you know, we figured out these tactics before. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are people that literally self-identify as Nazis. Like, why are we acting like we can't figure, let's start there. And then the motherfuckers that try to hide it. I mean, we have tactics for that. Uh, shout out to uh, the NSA. You know, we can figure this shit out. Mm -hmm. We can definitely figure it out. So anything before I let her play some more? Cause I just find that something, oh my God, how will we find out who are Nazis? Maybe let's start with the Nazi website. Like, you know what I mean? I, nobody's saying like- we're terrorists. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna play some more. Brianna, you are a terrible human being. Papa Legba, I hope you torture her in her sleep. And I hope your actual ancestors torture you in your sleep as well. I don't give a wet donkey shit about your tattoo. I shine to only one thing, your soul. And let's talk business. <laughs> I give you my soul. And what do you give me in return? Freedom from death. I want terms defined. Life everlasting, no aging, no decrepitude, forever. Just like that. Just like that. In exchange, you provide services, one night a year, on the date of my choosing. No refusal ever. What kind of services? For instance, would you cripple your daughter? Today? Absolutely. Murdering innocent. Someone you love. Whatever it takes. Then we have a deal. Seal it.
You have nothing to sell. You have no soul. Skepticism. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Like well, but, the Laven, the Laven memo then <laughs> is a thirty-year-long plan of fuck like racism and make it unacceptable, make it pariah, make it uh, uh, like throw it onto an island and and and, and an ice floe and do what that does it look? through I just, physical uh... violence and 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 uh, and you know uh, through everything from physical violence to doxing to uh public protest you use every tool at your disposal and no i have no interest i have no interest in building a coalition with these people and you may uh but the least the you know the the less attractive you can make these ideas seem uh to bring back the smoking uh, you know analogy few, fewer people smoke because you can't smoke in a movie theater fewer people smoke because you can't smoke in a bar fewer people smoke because you have to stand on a street corner and feel like shit you know, so well, what let's was make it, it like you, that. What was it that made you at this point decide to quit smoking? I've been running and I wanted to be able to run more. So it wasn't it wasn't that people kind of harangued you and said smoking is bad. Oh, they, that helped. Is. That helped. <laughs> but I presume that people have been saying that sort of thing since whatever it was you started smoking. It's bad for your health. Blah, I mean, listen, like, I don't, all the I don't that think that say. I'm going to be able to convince you. I think if you want to, like, hold hands with a, you know, Nazi and kiss them gently on the cheek, that's fine. I just don't think Talia, that's going to work out well you, for you. Do you think that what I'm arguing for is that I, I, I Brianna Joy Gray, uh, who was sitting before you as a black woman, wants to hold hands with Nazis and kiss them in the street? Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm not trying to debate you 100%. at all here. I'm just, I'm trying mm -hmm. to exp Yeah, yeah, you are. But, um, so this is my thing, right? So Brianna Gray, Brianna, she always talks about how black people are like, oh, you know, I would respect her opinions if she wasn't a white man. Or she talks about how people call her Uncle Tom, how people say she's not black and all this other shit. But you don't have poor black people politics, but then you have the nerve when you get upset that people call you out about how you are as a black person, you get upset. But then you say, well, me as a black person, you are not an average black person. You have a different upbringing. You come from a different class. You have a very different understanding of what blackness is. And being that you are not connected to the poor black community, which is the majority of the country, you speak for no one except for yourself. So why would you say, are you trying to say as a black woman, everybody can look at you and tell you're fucking black. Why do you have to say as a black woman? That's like when a gay man be like, well, as a gay man, are you trying to say that I hate? What the fuck did that have to do with her saying that she has no interest in a line with Nazis, but maybe you do. You're talking to her about how she should decide to build coalitions with extremists and spend years de-radicalizing them versus going to the hundred million people in this country who don't vote. Or... Oh or, or going to the black people that cost Bernie Sanders elections twice and getting them to come to your side. Like this is, this is the craziness of it. It's like, it's so fucking clear what the left needs to do, but they want to go all around the world. And, and you know, I, like it, it, it really doesn't make any fucking sense, which is why when you're having this conversation, you probably end up getting frustrated like this Talia woman 
and say, look, mm-hmm. you, obviously you just want to fucking kiss and hold hands with these motherfuckers. What else do you want from me? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I haven't read Talia's book. And when I have some time, I'll have to sit down and read it. Maybe during our Christmas break when we finally take a good three, three weeks off. Um, but... So this is my thing. If you're going to bring on guests, right, and you know what the guests are about and what they're talking and writing about, why didn't you have a conversation with Talia about what she does and what kind of is in her book? Like, Edie, from what you were explaining to me, she's not talking about, on her Twitter, she was never talking about us needing to de-escalate Nazis or extremists. So why, like we were saying at the very beginning of this episode, why have this conversation with Talia instead of having this conversation with like a gentleman who has, cause there's this guy, I'll probably put the video in here. I'm gonna put the little short, the little short, um, the little short uh, news video in here. And I'll probably put the Ted talk video at the very end for the nerds who want to sit and listen to it. But like, he talks about how he became de-radicalized, but how he explains it, it took years for that to happen. Like there was, there was like a whole series of events. So why don't you talk to that man about the importance of de-radicalizing and building coalitions with Nazis? My journey away from violent extremism began 22 years ago when I denounced racism and left the American white supremacist skinhead movement that I'd helped build. I was just 22 years old at the time, but I had already spent eight years from the time I was 14 years old as one of the earliest and youngest members and an eventual leader within America's most violent hate movement. But I wasn't born into hate. In fact, it was quite the opposite. I had a relatively normal childhood. I started to watch very closely as the leaders of this organization would target vulnerable young people who felt marginalized and then draw them in with promises of paradise that were broken. And then I started to recruit myself. I started to do that by making white power music. And soon I became the leader of that infamous organization that was led by that man in that alley who recruited me that day, who was America's first neo-Nazi skinhead and who had radicalized me. For the next eight years, I believed the lies that I had been fed. And though I saw no evidence of it whatsoever, I didn't hesitate to blame every Jewish person in the world for what I thought was a white European genocide being promoted by them through a multiculturalist agenda. I blamed people of color for the crime, the violence, and the drugs in the city, completely neglecting the fact that I was committing acts of violence on a daily basis, and that in many cases, it was white supremacists who were funneling drugs into the inner cities. And I blamed immigrants for taking jobs from white Americans, completely neglecting the fact that my parents were hardworking immigrants who struggled to survive despite not getting help from anybody else. For the next eight years, I saw friends die 
I saw others go to prison and inflict untold pain on countless victims and their families' lives. I heard horrific stories from young women in the movement who'd been brutally raped by the very men that they were conditioned to trust. And I myself committed acts of violence against people solely for the color of their skin, who they loved, or the God that they prayed to. I stockpiled weapons for what I thought was an upcoming race war. I went to six high schools. I was kicked out of four of them, one of them twice. And 25 years ago, I wrote and performed racist music that found its way to the internet decades later and partially inspired a young white nationalist to walk into a sacred Charleston, South Carolina church and senselessly massacre nine innocent people. But then my life changed. At 19 years old, I met a girl who was not in the movement, who didn't have a racist bone in her body, and I fell in love with her. And at 19, we got married, and we had our first son. And when I held my son in my arms in the delivery room that day, not only did I reconnect with some of the innocence that I had lost at 14 years old, but it also began to challenge the very important things that drew me to the movement to begin with. Identity, community, and purpose, things that I had been struggling with as a young boy. And now, I struggled with the concept of who I was again. Was I this neo-Nazi hate monger, or was I a caring father and husband? Was my community the one that I had manufactured around me to boost my own ego? Because I felt self-hatred for myself and I wanted to project it onto others. Or was it the one that I had physically given life to? Was my purpose to scorch the earth? Or was it to make it a better place for my family? And suddenly, like a ton of bricks hit me, I became very confused with who I'd been for the last eight years. And if only I'd been brave enough to walk away at that moment to understand what the struggle was that was happening inside of me, then maybe tragedy could have been averted. Instead, I did compromise. I took myself off the streets for the benefit of my family because I was nervous that maybe I could go to jail or end up dead and they would have to fend for themselves. So I stepped back as a leader and instead I opened a record store that I was going to sell white power music in, of course, because I was importing it in from Europe. But I knew that if I was just a racist store selling racist music, that the community would not allow me to be there. So I decided I was going to also stock the shelves with other music, like punk rock and heavy metal and hip-hop. And while the white power music that I was selling was 75% of my gross revenue because people were driving in from all over the country to buy it from the only store that was selling it, I also had customers come in to buy the other music. And eventually, they started to talk to me. And one day, a young black 
teen came in, and he was visibly upset. And I decided to ask him what was wrong. And he told me that his mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And suddenly, this young black teenager, who I'd never had a meaningful conversation or, or interaction with, I was able to connect with because my own mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and I could feel his pain. On another occasion, a gay couple came in with their son, and it was undeniable to me that they loved their son in the same profound ways that I loved mine. And suddenly, I couldn't rationalize or justify the prejudice that I had in my head. I decided to pull the white power music from the inventory when I became too embarrassed to sell it in front of my new friends. And of course, the store couldn't sustain itself, so I had to close it. At that same time, I lost nearly everything in my life. I used it as an opportunity to walk away from the movement that I'd been a part of for eight years, the only identity, community, and purpose that I'd really known for most of my life. So I had nobody. I lost my livelihood because I closed the store. I didn't have a great relationship with my parents, even though they tried. And my wife and children left me because I hadn't left the movement and disengaged quickly enough. Why not have Daryl Davis come on and talk about the importance of de-radicalization and, um, you know, and uh, working with white supremacists? Because this is their work. Why talk to a person yeah. who this is not their work? I scratch all of that. Why not just go to like talking about how we prevent this by changing education so that people get a full understanding of what the fuck happened in this country instead of being oblivious and being susceptible to some fantasy um, that white supremacists feed you about how uh, black people have been dragging that society down and we need to get rid of the problem. Like, like why My not just start... Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. go ahead. So please, no, no, I want you to finish. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. No, nah, I'm just saying, like, the way to, if you want to de-radicalize America as far as race is concerned, you start in the schools. That's, that's where you start. You start with education, and you start by just teaching straight-up American history. Like, unfiltered, just tell the fucking truth, and people will understand that you know white supremacy is evil like like you don't really need to you don't need to fucking play these 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 tricks with people who have been indoctrinated for 30 40 years like like you're going to fucking by the time you change them they're probably ready to check out anyways like fuck. or they're just not gonna yeah i want so yeah. mud i want to push even further with what you said how about we put the education in the schools and how about we fix the material conditions of poor people that makes it appealing for them to be yeah. radicalized. So instead yeah. of going to the people who have already been radicalized, how about you make it where little Johnny's dad doesn't get, you know, laid off and never gets another job and starts drinking and beating his mom. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. that later on leads him down the path to become an extremist. Like there's so many factors, but why do we wait till Johnny's an extremist? Why not help Johnny right now? That's the problem. You're not talking about fixing the root causes. You're talking about starting at the end and trying to work them back. That's insane. 
in a country that has over 240 million people or something like that, like you bugging. I wanted to address that I as a black woman thing again, just because like, I just watched an hour lecture of this person explaining why weaponizing your identity and using it as a shield to avoid substantive critiques, we'll get that in post, don't worry about it. <laughs> you, you already got, yeah, you, you know, in my head, I was already saying, I'm gonna need that link and I'm going to need the timestamp. I got you. I've seen a lot uh, in contemporary, uh, our the contemporary political moment is that uh, identity is being used not as a proxy for one's political beliefs, but as a complete substitute for their political perspective. So 2016, um, not to relitigate the, the election, but uh, for, for what it's worth was a really good example of how these things played out. And I think part of why 2016 was so contentious is because there, was, uh, there were these gulfs between people's personal identities and what they were supposed to stand for um, and people's actual politics. Um, so uh, one of the best examples of this was the Bernie bro phenomenon. Now, the I believe it was a Vanity Fair writer who coined the term has subsequently written and said that he regrets doing so because he didn't think it was going to be quite as viral and pervasive as it was, and he was actually someone who was sympathetic in part to uh, the progressive message. Um, but what happened was there, there was this um, belief that because Bernie Sanders' supporters were predominantly white, which is... Uh, debatable, but even assuming that's the case, there was this subsequent um, logical leap that said, therefore, the man's ideas must be pro-white and, uh, in fact, antithetical to the needs and interests of people of color. And some people took that even farther to imply pretty strongly that the man himself uh, was racist and anything that was um, uh, said or done by his supporters was directly attributed to him um, consciously in a way that wasn't necessarily done um, with other um, politicians. So lest you think that I'm exaggerating or being defensive about this, evidence is forthcoming in the form of tweet grabs. <laughs> um, but uh, one, of the, one of the most frustrating arguments that I saw among a lot of my peers from this law school, uh, intelligent people whom I respect a lot, was that after the, um, the, uh, the early primary votes uh, in southern states, we got a lot of people saying things like, uh, the majority of black voters did not support uh, Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primary. Therefore, as the northern states are rolling around, um, northern primaries are rolling around, if you support Bernie Sanders, you are, quote, disenfranchising black voters. Now, you probably understand what the word disenfranchise actually means. <laughs> and it doesn't mean voting in a contrary fashion to somebody that you disagree with. But as a black voter who um, planned to vote for uh, Bernie Sanders uh, when the New York primary uh, came around, it was very disorienting to be told that um, basically my people had spoken and that therefore my own political beliefs, which were rooted in what I understood the candidates' underlying values to be and their underlying political agenda to be, were invalidated not because of what, anything that he had actually said or done, but because um, his, uh, the, the voter pool that had voted prior to my own um, primary coming up um, had spoken for me. And their identity dictated something about that candidate's value. Um, so I just uh, grabbed a little uh, screen grab uh, there of a tweet that um, 
show somebody um, making a, the argument in the, in the course of a chain that, um, you know, that Hillary was a better candidate, not for substantive reasons, which obviously could be argued, um, but that because, but because she got the overwhelmingly the votes of POC. What she didn't get, this person notes, is white women and uneducated white men. And the, the implication being that anyone who does get um, white women and uneducated white men is, as a candidate, um, inferior. Um, so what we saw was while people were making um, arguments, Ryan Cooper of the Week was one of these, um, uh, a white man who was making arguments um, uh, that were critiquing some of the, the not just 2016 candidates, but some of the 2020 hopefuls as 2017 um, came around and people immediately started looking to see how we were going to get out of this. Um, was that um, critiques of people like Kamala Harris um, and Cory Booker were criticized um, as being racist. So what you saw was people on the left saying, well, we have Black Lives Matter now. We're, over, we're very concerned about issues relating to police violence. Um, maybe we shouldn't uh, have a former prosecutor who has a record uh, in which she has been um, very aggressive uh, and proud of her record of incarceration um, leading the charge of the liberal agenda. Uh, you had people um, critiquing uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's choice of Tim Kaine as um, uh, VP, saying things like, okay, well, if we want the best candidate for women, what do we think about this guy who supports the Hyde Amendment, which would um, uh, forbid federal funding for abortion services? And what do we feel about his record for governor, in which he voted for a number of um, um, pro-life types of interventions, including parental... Uh, uh, getting parental uh, permission uh, for, to get abortions and things like that. But those critiques uh, didn't land very well. What you saw was that critiques of even Tim, Tim Kaine by proxy of Hillary Clinton were called sexist. And critiques of Kamala Harris's criminal justice record um, were described as racist and or sexist. So um, what you got was this idea of this way in which identity, identity um, became a substitute for people's underlying political beliefs in, in their entirety. Um, another phenomenon you got um, was the idea that um, whiteness itself became the focus of critique as opposed to the power that often accrues with whiteness. So we all understand that we live in a world um, where uh, race has been used as an instrument uh, of power, right? Um, so there's a certain uh, overlap of interest between people who have most wealth, money, and power in this world and who are also white. And that has caused us to do things like conflate um, what we're actually upset about with a person's identity. So frequently you get people who say things like, Bernie Sanders is a straight white male, is straight white male privilege in an ill-fitting suit. I'm, I'm not clear what the substantive critique is there. Right? So there's a critique that could be made of saying, if you were to say, uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, perspective in life doesn't uh, allow him to understand this issue and here's the evidence of it. You know, because he's a senator from Vermont, he has shown tone deafness when talking about these specific, specific minority issues. But the fact of being straight or white or male does not in and of itself say anything about somebody's beliefs or values. And while I understand that we live in a world where we have to uh, make generalizations, we're hit with a lot of information every day, and we all do it to some degree, um, there's a certain critical leap that is being made, or rather a critical oversight, more accurately, that is being made that's causing people to um, conflate uh, whiteness and power. 
And I don't uh, have a problem with that because I'm out here trying to play the world's tiniest violin for um, white men who are falsely accused of having too much power. But what the, the problem is, is I don't want people to forget what we're actually um, objecting to. Because the world is changing. And there's going to come a time where the person in power, the person who's problematic, the person that um, is trying to curb uh, the liberties of uh, more vulnerable people around them is not necessarily going to be white. And we're going to have to do a radical change in our language when that time comes around if we don't start identifying better um, what it is that we're actually objecting to. I also think this is a, presents a real risk um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in America, in a country, where increasingly there are people who are, um, shall we say, happy to uh, stigmatize uh, identity politics and the way that we talk about race and say that we're the ones that are being intolerant and that we're being racist against whites and that therefore, why not have an organization that's pro-white, hypothetically? What's wrong with standing up for pro-white identity interests? What's wrong with going down to Home Depot and getting a few tiki torches, lighting them up and walking around, um, shouting about how white identity matters as well? And so, you know, this is a tricky point because I don't mean to say that the, uh, to lay the blame at the feet of um, obviously uh, marginalized groups for the kind of backlash that we've seen um, in terms of the, um, uh, the alt-right um, and some of the, um, the racist, uh, racism that we saw in Charlottesville last summer. Um, but I do think that the way that we talk about race is oftentimes imprecise in a way that makes it easy to parody and easy to um, uh, frame as though it is, uh, objections to it are, are legitimate, right? So I just don't, I, my personal view is that I think the left could do a lot of, uh, of good work to make sure that we're not using language that is easy fodder for people who would use our own um, identity framing uh, against us and to uh, the detriment of people who are actually, in fact, marginalized. Um, and then an example on the right, you see someone um, who- Yeah, because I'll yeah, make like sure she's... that goes right on it. She, she's going in about like mind you this is our lecture and like how identity politics shouldn't be used in this way how it should never be used against bernie sanders these things this that and the third right and yet the second she has an opportunity to do the exact thing that she's been complaining about this entire time she takes it mm -hmm. which tells me you don't have any principles i used to think mm -hmm. that you were just committed to being a leftist and it largely had to do with you being growing up mostly being uh, in predominantly white spaces as you uh, confirmed in the past. However, that's not really the case. You are just Candace Owens, but smart. Mm -hmm. And I hope you feel every bit of the insult that that is. Mm -hmm. um, educated Candace Owens. Yeah, I question, um, her being smarter, I would say she maybe is uh, more knowledgeable in some areas. Cunning? How about cunning? More crafty? Yeah. Well, she's a lawyer. Well, she graduated law school. From Harvard. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if she was smarter than Candace Owens, uh, she would have avoided um, this issue. Like, it, she would have she would have fucked with a Jewish woman and told her that she should be friends with Nazis. Like the fact that she thought she was going to talk to a Jewish woman the way she talks to black people. I don't know what the fuck wrong with her. You ain't white, boo boo. <laughs> Pretty much.
I don't know. This whole thing feels a lot like Candace's uh, Hitler was a good nationalist thing. Mm. Whoa. Nazis are cool, too. Yeah, I, don't you know? follow, I, I mean, don't, they're just people. I don't people. follow we Candace can... Owens like that. So, oh, she said that to Congress. <sighs> Candace be out here wilding, y'all. Anybody else? Y'all got anything else before I play this? <laughs> what I think are some tensions that I too am wrestling with, and I and I would hope that since we're both members of this group, uh, of these groups, that certainly see no benefit in appeasing Nazis. That we can have a conversation that doesn't presume that where we're coming from is because of some natural sympathy with these groups, as opposed to genuinely trying to strategize about how to how to fix this problem that we very much agree on, which is that America is being increasingly radicalized in these no, extremist I, I just, like, ways. I feel like I've stated my position repeatedly and then I don't, I don't quite know how to react other than, like, to respond other than, like, no, I really believe what I believe. Like, I really think, like, that, that, that stigmatization, that pariah, dumb, that, that, uh, that physical confrontation, that, you know, I think people think that they're too cool for anti-fascism. People think anti-fascism is lame. People think that, uh, you know, it's it's gauche. It's not enough. Yes, of course, I believe that, like, we should have Medicare for all, that we should have social, like, safety net policies, that we shouldn't, like, leave people to be deprived alone, like, uh, to feel like these senses of loss and uh, uh, like, you know, the, 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 the elements of vulnerability to radicalization are like very common human emotions is, is feeling lost, is feeling lonely, is feeling uh, purposeless. And like, you know, everything we can do to mitigate those feelings in such large masses of the population, like that's great. Uh, I think there are many constructive things you can do to fight Nazism that don't involve like you know, brass knuckling up and, and like just flattening the nose of a proud boy. But like, I think you have to be willing to brass knuckle up and, and, and flatten the nose of a proud boy too. Like there, there is no space for coalitional politics with these people to my mind. So one of the, I think, parts of the book that I found to be really interesting was when you were talking about um, how banal many of these individuals were when you were talking to them on the on the websites and the dating site right and how the banality of their lives was abutting these like really horrific belief systems and he would go from talking about you know casually oh i'm making my pork and bean dinner or whatever to you know jews let's kill them am i right <laughs> you know yeah or like let's talk about the you know n-words yeah so I remember when I was, you know, reading that, that, that section, um, you know, you explained that the banality almost made it feel, made you feel less empathy for, for these people. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about the kind of emotional reaction you had to being that close and in those intimate spaces and having these people trust you in that way with the, these incredibly ugly parts of their, of their lives? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, so uh, you'll see so often in journalism about, uh, about Nazis, this shock that they're people like, it's like, like the, there was a, an infamous sort of New York times profile of Tony Hoveter, 
who's a you know pretty well known white supremacist um was like oh my god like he has a wife and a house and like he made dinner and like you know he didn't like i don't know jizz a swastika onto the wall while making pasta like i mean it's that level of parodic like oh my god nazis are people too and i'm like of course they're people you start with the presumption that they're people with whole lives with moral universes as complex and wild as yours and mine so doesn't that kind of get back to that that good binary good bad binary thing that I always post with Robin D'Angelo where people assume it's like you're an extremist a Nazi or a white supremacist that you can't like love your wife and be nice to your kids and like be a deacon at your church yeah yeah I just want to keep going <laughs> okay and like you start with the assumption that these are ordinary people and then you see what these ordinary people have dedicated their lives to. And if that doesn't make you fucking mad, it makes me fucking mad. Yeah, so I to totally, me, it, mm-hmm, it, it doesn't absolve them. Their humanity doesn't absolve them. Their humanity condemns them for it. Yeah. What's, so I, I completely relate to this um, frustration that folks are shocked about the fact that races aren't, you know, some separate breed or species that, you know, are easily identified by, you know, tentacles or something. Like, I I totally relate to that, that feeling. At the same time, when I was reading your description of these lives, what struck me was not necessarily that they were so average, but there were some ways in which it did feel very atypical. Um, The people, a lot of the guys that you described you know, you talk at length about the, the describing the incel movement, the involuntary celibates, that a lot of these men have very little in the way of kind of romantic or social infrastructure in their lives at all. You describe one guy making dinner and that he makes the same kind of, it was kind of a bizarre, very <laughs> imbalanced meal of like pork and beans or something every single no, night. No, beef and canned beef and pineapples. Canned beef and, oh yes, <laughs> it was, it was, it was beef and, and like, canned beans and then a swig of pineapple juice to break it up, I guess, so it doesn't get scurvy. <laughs> you know, and I, I remember reading, reading that and thinking, oh, well, this, I mean, in some ways it's banal because he's like a guy making dinner every night. But in other ways, the the details of his life point to me to be, point, point to someone who is not a functioning member of society and has, has a lot of other things going on. Um, that led me not to say it's an, it absolves him of any way because there are a lot of poor people who aren't obviously white supremacists. In fact, obviously disproportionately poor people in America are not white at all. But it, it, it did, I, I got to confess, it did make me not feel empathy for the person, but it made me see, say, this is a point, this is a tension point for political radicalization. Like this is an... R. Kelly. R. Kelly. R. Kelly was molested by women from the time he was a child. He grew up and became a raper and molester of children and did it all the way until now. Is R. Kelly a victim? Yes. Are his victims victims? Yes. Should he be, should he still be treated like a pariah and be under a jail for what he did to children over the years? Yes. All things can be true. And I'm not even saying these people are victims, but I'm saying just because a lot, black people have hard upbringings. 
we don't get to go and be extremists because of that. Because nobody cares when people join gangs. And I'm not even equating that to being the same as being a Nazi, but what I'm saying is nobody makes excuses for why people join organizations when, ugh, never. do y'all get where I'm going? Was I clear about that? Does that make sense? Because I'm not yeah. defending R. Kelly. I'm just making a point though. Like he was a victim when he was a child and he grew up and became that monster and became and created new victims. We don't absolve him because he was originally a victim. We don't. That's not how it works. What are they victims of though? Oh, the, the class. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. That I was a stupid. No, 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 no. It wasn't a stupid question. I don't know if I necessarily, because she didn't necessarily use victim, but what she was saying is they are, I use victim because I use R. Kelly. And, you know, when you talk oh, yeah, about yeah. you got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. But with her, what I'm trying to say is um, she's saying, well, because of their conditions and the things that have happened, that's why they're Nazis. So we should try to de-radicalize them because they wouldn't have been Nazis if this wouldn't happen. But instead of changing the conditions that wouldn't create more Nazis and going to the people who aren't Nazis, you want to deprogram Nazis. Yeah, I mean, I does see de why Does deprogramming Nazis is, is, no, I'm not going to say that because I was going to. I could see why Talia is <laughs> getting completely frustrated with, with you know, Brianna pushing this idea that you can get these people to reform and um, the fact that she wrote this whole damn book and she's going to bring up the, the beans and the pineapple juice and something uh, is you obviously didn't read it. Yeah. I feel like that it was really, a, you know, I'm not sure what kind of place Brianna holds. I don't hear much about her. I read the news all the time. Um, I'm, I don't look on, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I'm on Facebook and, you know, my older white lady liberals are not pushing, uh, Brianna Joy Gray stuff, and, you know, and black people neither. So who's watching no, her? Exactly. So I feel like Talia was a guest because Brianna was trying to get more views because she's still trying to find her place. She doesn't have a solid place. The establishment doesn't want her. And now like she's breaking down the people on the the left who would want to be with her no i haven't watched her podcast since like the first one and i only watched half and um and then i started talking to samantha so <laughs> it was the one who made me hate her because i had no problems with brianna Greyjoy until i started watching her because i wasn't paying attention to her <laughs> Because she wasn't speaking to me. She wasn't speaking to Black people. She was speaking to white people as a Black person pretending to speak for Black people. So she was never on my radar. And the, like, and the one time that she did cross my radar is when she let AOC get away with that bullshit with what is Black, who is Black. When she, when she was talking about reparations, well, what is Black? Who is Black? In a country where there's so much mixing and diversity, we've always been mixing diverse in this country. It was called rape and slavery. I want to say oh. I think that this points to a larger issue is the fact that folks are just trying to make money now like do mm -hmm. we see Brianna trying to and it it just goes to show that <laughs> I don't think anybody thinks we're going to get anything done I don't even okay? and now it's just mm -hmm. let me make some money so I can survive mm -hmm. my first question 
is um, as a black American, why don't you have better things to do? Like of all the things you could be doing, of all the things you could be focused on, your issue today was to de-radicalize Nazis? Mm. <laughs> How are we gonna pay for that? Mm. And it's really a lifetime, it is a lifetime thing. Like I still have Dixie pop in my head. Dixie, the song Dixie. So like you and I had to stop watching Gone with the Wind. Yeah. I haven't watched that in a couple of decades, but you know, that's it's it's a lifetime thing. And even even the people in my family who are Democrats and who are more, they're not like, I don't know, they're kind of conservatives anyway it's still I find myself rolling my eyes at some of the things they still say but you know I'm talking about women who are in their early 60s and stuff so I'm still trying to be back you know the bits of racism that folks don't see anything wrong with it you know what I'm I don't like I don't want to pull out any examples but even with Democrats we're still fighting racism in our party although I'm sure I know y'all point that out all the time here. <laughs> it was pretty surprising for me when I figured it out because uh, I didn't know. But um, I think a lot. I think a lot of just good regular white people don't know. They don't always see the older don't see that what they're saying is racist, and we still have myths that we're trying to beat back. Mm. So, like. Um, and when you're taught, like, if Brianna wants to know, like, how bad it can get, I told my dad something, said something racist while he was in the car with me when I was 45, 42. I can't remember how old I was. It was just a few years ago with my child in the back seat, And we're waiting for my um, mother to come out of the grocery store all in the car together. And we had seen um, two women who were Hispanic walking and he said something nasty about how he's sure they're illegal immigrants taking welfare and I said that it was ignorance that made him believe that and that man undid his seatbelt like he was undoing his belt when I was a kid and he was going to get out of that car and smack me a 42 year old woman as a 42 year old white woman his daughter so things get violent very quick, even within families. This is a tough battle mm. that she's choosing and she should just choose to go with the folks who don't vote rather than try to swing these people. It's just not gonna work. But the thing is, Brianna's not gonna do this work. She's just telling white people that we should do this work so they can ignore talking to black people. Brianna's not gonna pull a Daryl Davis. She's not gonna go sit in front of, go try to de-radicalize Nazis and get punched in the face or get called an N-word bitch, or you understand what I'm saying? She's not going to do that. She's telling other white people like, no, we should just de-radicalize them. If you keep talking to them over time, you just talk to them about the stuff that's important to all of us, and it won't even matter. They'll just all, we'll all come together, and it won't be any problem for the Blacks. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I've given this some thought, and when it comes to de-radicalizing these Nazis, I think we should take this a bit more seriously. Um. I think that um, if we focus on this as a class issue and we realize that white people are the group that's disproportionately impacted by racism, 
We should focus on getting reparations for the descendants of American slaves so that they no longer have this problem. They no are no longer incentivized to be Nazis. Uh, problem solved. <laughs> you got anything, Mud? Uh, not really. Let's go ahead. And, if there's any more. Yeah, she keep going and going. This thing just keep going. Like, she just literally just keeps trying to convince Talia over and over again that she should, you know, that, you know, that de-radicalizing Nazis should be the project. It's just a distraction. Okay. It's just a distraction. Does she talk, they don't talk about anything else in the whole interview? I don't think so. I watched it. I don't think so. I, think, I think we got, we got 10 minutes more. I think she literally keeps pushing her for the rest of the time. Yeah. Opportunity to provide, like, provide something that could lead this person to want to make different kinds of choices if in fact part of what's driving him to be a white supremacist are these other aspects of his life that seem very unpleasant and bad and that no one should be dealing with and living like and I wonder if there was ever I mean it's difficult because it is it is difficult to talk about this without feeling like you're letting people off the hook for their loads and behaviors but in a practical way I guess as someone who doesn't see a lot of utility in telling people that they are bad um, as changing their mind. Like if I thought it worked to just be like. So this is my thing. Why do we have to tell people who are racist that they're bad? How about we just don't try to build coalitions with them and find people who aren't racist? Because I always say racism is a spectrum. Like, you know, I don't. You know, it's one thing to, you know, to ally with people who from time to time have bigoted thoughts. From time to time, I have bigoted thoughts. I'm an American and I work through that. But that's very different than me saying, me as a black person, I hate all white people and I want them to die, but they should build a coalition with me because we're all struggling together. White people are like, no, she wants me to die. <laughs> so I, I just Brie this was not the hill to die on and I'm so glad that she did it and I don't think they should have called you an anti-semite or a Nazi but can we call you a, a Nazi can we call you a can we say that you want to be a that you are that you want that you are you are auditioning to be a collaborator with Nazis would is, is that nah, I think a Nazi coalition builder Mm. <laughs> well, I think the best thing that for Bree to do is to go to one of these compounds down south where they have these churches, <laughs> and I think she should go down there and try to convert them. I I think that's, <laughs> you know that ain't right. Let's see what she happens. Find a boyfriend down there. <laughs> no, because no, because no, that happens a lot of times when the. Like when women de-radicalize some of these men, they end up falling in love, get married. Like free your husband should be waiting for you right, right out there. Skinhead, you know, swastika. All you got to do is de-radicalize him. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm just saying shit. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> Nazism is horrible and you shouldn't be a Nazi. Then I'd be like, yes, we should just put that on every bridge and tunnel in America and that would solve the problem. I mean, I, I say we give that a shot. Like, I mean, honestly, like, if, if people showed up en masse every time there was a right-wing march, if people bothered to do that, instead of deciding that the pragmatic approach is sympathy for the devil, 
Well, are those, well, again, I wouldn't characterize it as sympathy for the devil, but are those things mutually exclusive? Is showing up to a right-wing march um, the way, you know, Antifa and some groups do? And, and there, ha- you know, there are often counter-protests. You know, is that, count- is, that, is that mutually exclusive with saying there needs to be long-term de-radicalizers, people like, you know, Daryl Davis, who we brought up on this podcast many times before? So here's my next question, because I know people do this work, but how big is this industry? Because, you know, Chapo Trap House, um, Matt Taibbi, we were just talking about this big war on white fragility, right? Which is just basically trying to get white people to be less racist. And we're saying that doesn't work and that we shouldn't do it and we shouldn't bother, but we should do it with Nazis. Am I lying? No, you're not. Go ahead, Edie. I think that we've got 100 plus years of proof that we've tried to negotiate with racist, bigoted people, and it's never worked. So, you know, as with the Dem Party establishment, we we have a proven legacy in the New Deal, not for Black people, but a proven legacy that helped more people than anything we've done since, nobody wants to do that in the Dem Party leadership. And, you know, Brianna's kind of following this tradition with um, not paying attention to the history. We've been associating with them, been negotiating with them. They're doing it right now in Congress today. Marjorie Taylor (laughs) Greene's up there. They're working with her. Joe Biden is the president of the United States who did a whole eulogy at Strom Thurmond's funeral. A whole segregationist white supremacist. He he was a good guy and his friend. (laughs) Yes, and people were pointing, do you know, I am a pariah for pointing that shit out during the primary process. Not with even Democrats. during the primaries. You couldn't even talk about yes. it during the primaries. They tried to kick me out of my Dem Club. They tried, they broke their own bylaws because of my Twitters, mm. my tweets, and my social media stuff about Joe Biden. And a lot of that stuff mm. was his association with Jim Crow. And mm-hmm. um, you know, he was against busing, which is very complicated. Mm-hmm. And I know, but like um, so. I didn't want him up there and I fought like hell to keep Mm -hmm. him from going. But here we are. These are the folks who are in power. Here we are. I'm just saying, who rides around with a chain in their trunk just in case they have to hang a bad dude? (laughs) More people than we want to admit. Uh And y'all got to remember Joe Biden from the North. As much as people talk about the South, he's from yep. the North. Yeah, but he's from a slave state, though. Delaware. It don't matter. All them, state. State, all them states were slave states. People, <laughs> people forget. Like, like people forget. People like a lot of those states were slave states until like the 1830s. You understand what I'm saying? Like they were. Uh, there was newly freed states that were. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. So I mean, shit. New York's a slave state. <laughs> they was just early they just freed they slaves earlier well oh, they're all goodness. slave states and that every state benefited in the end from, from mm-hmm. all the years of free labor yeah oh, this whole country did <laughs> all right i we wanted to 
Go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to jump on the busing thing real quick mm -hmm. because I know it's it's people it, it, people are conflicted about it and uh, Joe Biden's role in it. My thing is that I get how you know you know on both sides people be like, well, why would the solution be you're going to bust people out? You know. 20, 30 minutes, an hour from their neighborhood to go to another school to integrate it. And I get that point, but there should have been an alternative. And the alternative mm -hmm. was resources into the black schools so that they would be on par with the white schools. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And Joe Biden never went that route. But also with this Daryl Davis thing, like I, I'm still doing my research on this, this dude, but- I hate him. He's not what he makes himself out to be. I, I'm really going to, like, at some point, there's going to be an episode where I, I really expose him. Because I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, his connections are very suspect. Like, the type of boards he's on, the, the organizations he's connected to. I don't think what he's doing is everything it's, it's made out to, to be. There's a reason he, he can he can make he can find commonalities with these clan members. And I'm sorry, but like, you know, if you're dealing with like like Nazis and clan members, every once in a while I would think you would end up getting into a scuffle. Mm -hmm. And he does, he does not seem like the type of motherfucker to hold that can hold his own. And I have not not heard that story where he just got beat up somewhere mm -hmm. trying to befriend a, a Nazi. So I don't he know. He reminds me of Uncle Ruckus. Yeah. He, I, I get I get Uncle Ruckus spirit in there. He just don't say all of the stuff, but he kind of do. Like his whole thing, like we should get rid of Black History Month. And people, I get where people are like, well, you know, because it's American history. Yeah. But, you know, we still aren't there yet. Because if you get, because as it is for Black History Month, they barely fucking talk about anything besides like five people when we have so many people. And I took labor history classes. They had the Black section. So yeah, you need like one little section. They had all these other sections, they had one little section. So yeah, like Daryl Davis, man, like I said, that whole thing, I'm so tired of people bringing him up as like, as, as the blueprint. Again, how big is this de-radicalization industry? Is it as big as the anti-racism industry? And why is the anti-Black racism industry not okay, but the de-radicalizing Nazis industry is okay? Left, please explain this to me. Yep, that's what, actually where I was gonna go with it. I was gonna say like, instead of collecting clan robes, I'd prefer to operate a bit more like the Mossad when they went looking for swastikas and came back with them. And if you don't know what I'm getting at, watch the movie Inglorious Bastards. Mm. That's how I want to collect well, right. if we go in there. <laughs> I'm called Hunters, where they're um, oh, yeah, people yeah, of yeah, Jewish descent. They were Nazis. Yep. Mm -hmm. Doing the research, figuring Doing out. Doing the Lord's who, work. Get, getting them identified and knocking them off. Yeah, and they, they don't seem to be interested in, you know, de-radicalizing anyone. Well, I mean, you got to think about this. After World War II, there was no effort to de-radicalize Nazis. 
like maybe de-radicalize the like Germany, but mm-hmm. like the Nazis, they were dealt with. That's true. Those, that's, uh, no, that's true. They they, they lost a bunch of. Well, this is the thing. So I, I'll probably put in the video because there's like a ten minute video. So like the de-radicalization, it did fail because like in the beginning, yes, they rounded up. They they did. They basically had people fill out. Uh, surveys or like how involved they were they went they researched they found out who was involved they sent people to trial they locked people up like it was done differently in different countries but yeah as for the actual de-radicalization of the nazis no because what happened was we went i forgot did we go into like the cold war so i forgot what happened after that that the folk oh yeah yeah it went into the cold war they we we shifted to focusing the uh, on uh fighting communism versus trying to de-radicalize Nazis. But we did the same thing here, right? We let the Confederates off the hook, right? After, even though I guess because Edie's here with me, I'm glad that we didn't ban all of the Confederates or kill them all just because Edie's alive and here. So my the butterfly people fight. I guarantee you my people went down to Florida and were like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> I hope not. I hope so. Because I haven't heard anybody bragging about how they were in the Civil War. So. I'm hoping not. Well, then I take I would... that back. We what we should have did is when they lost, they should have been exiled or killed. Yes, they should have never been allowed to regain power in the South and regain power in the actual government. We should have so sold them to Africa. It, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so <laughs> that ain't right. Because <laughs> it is right. It's right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. But that would be best. I, yeah. So it's so instead of so when they pulled out of the South, you know, and they ended reconstruction, they left us with these terrorists. And we still right. dealing with that to this day. And just with what she's talking about. So it's like you wanna you wanna de-radicalize Nazis. We need to deconfederize the country. But Speak when you start it. talking about specific people. That's a different. That's a different kind of job. How you gonna deconfederize them is like how she said you gonna shame them. Like in the white fragility episodes, people are like, oh well, you know now if something happens, you know you could lose your job because somebody complained about you being racist. Yes. Yes. We should not have racist people running corporations. You as yes. a racist person shouldn't be working at a bank deciding if black people get loans or not. You you, you like there. Yes. Yes. You should not be. You should have to, if you are racist, you should have to keep that shit to yourself. And you shouldn't even be able to, shouldn't even be able to, what's the word I want to use? Exercise your racism, even without saying it. Because if they find out, they should fire you. Yes, yes, yes. The and this is a lot. Of, sorry, I'm sorry, I have a good example while you're right in the middle. Is there, no, there's, go, go, go. there's a good example of this happening just recently. There's a Cherokee County, County Sheriff, Cherokee County Sheriff in Georgia, who um, had to step down because he, their pictures surfaced of him in KKK robes. And mm-hmm. so he stepped down as sheriff. David, Ralston, should. David Ralston, Ralston, R-A-L-S-T-O-N, who was the speaker of the house in Georgia, um, assigned him to the judicial qualifying committee in Georgia, Mm. this man. Mm. And so he had that job for a couple of years and then the photos came out again 
And he just stepped down last week. Like this mm. is alive and well happening all the time. So at the end of the day, yeah, you should lose your job. I'm sorry, you should. The same way if I'm out here and I'm a teacher or I work somewhere and I'm an anti-Semite and I'm talking about how I hate Jewish people, yes, I should lose my job because I shouldn't be put in a position of power where I can exercise my prejudice and racism, period. Yep. And there's gonna take like a lot of If you hate black people, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be dealing, you should not be working with them. And they should not be working for you. Go ahead, sorry. And that's actually my argument against the universalist projects. Like if America's too racist to do reparations, why do you deserve these brunch tickets? Well, they're getting with those that. anyway. They're getting those anyway. Not the poorer people. The rich. Yeah. Or yeah, even but if the, the poors are too if the poors are too racist to side with us on this reparations thing, why do you deserve Medicare for all? They don't. I was with you on that one. Samantha, no, Samantha talked me out of that one. <laughs> Did no, you? No, let me tell. But I met probably, but this is the reason why, right? So as a black American who descends from chattel slavery, as a descendant of US freedmen, right? I believe we deserve reparations because we did our our people did the work. That money was paid out to people who didn't do the work, and it should be paid back to the people whose families did the work. That's an easy one, right? But the other thing is after that, I believe in Medicare for all for all Americans. I believe in free college free housing. I believe food should be a human right. Like $15 an hour, not $15, sorry, $25 an hour, minimum wage, minimum. I believe we should have a federal jobs guarantee connected to that. So every person who wants a job can go and get a job. So if I want all of that for you people, why can't you want me to have reparations as well? I want more things for you than you want for me. That's a shit ton of different programs and y'all are old shit but I feel like since you're an American and this is the richest country in the world you are owed a certain standard of living as an American so why can't you look at us and be like you guys got a raw deal this country stole from you and I support you getting your money back and thank you for standing with me and supporting me and my family to make us have a better standard of living as Americans because we all deserve it. So how's it, I can do that, but you can't. That shows me you just, you know, sometimes people feel like, well, well you, but we have to do this first. We were let, the, the, they, okay, was it 1863 when they first uh, did the emancipation? Uh, how much longer y'all want us to wait? How yeah. many more issues you go, there wasn't a climate issue in 1863, 1900, 1920. So why didn't we do it then? Because racist white people back then didn't want to do it. If we waited for popular support, we'd still be slaves. 100%. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And Bree Bree would have been arguing for how we should just befriend the slave masters and not resist so we can all just have a better life. Medicare for every plantation. Oh my God. <laughs> well, well, they already had housing as a human right, so why not? 
<laughs> I think to answer your question, the one reason I would say I would support like this is how we met me and Samantha, but the one way I would support UBI, the one reason I would support that is because um, I screwed that up. It's not the one reason I support UBI, but the the reason I support trying to do it close to reparations is because I don't want all the crazy white people to go even crazier. You know, so for me, it's like trying to avoid having having all these armed people come out and say, what the fuck? You know, so I know that's a terrible place to be probably, but that's how no, I feel about it. No, that's part of the reason why I came to this conclusion as well. So whereas a lot of our step and fetch it blacks be like, we can't do reparations because white people are mad. I'm like, we should do reparations, but we should do these other social programs you're talking about. So white people can live a decent life as American citizens too. Yeah, because everybody's suffering. I personally mm -hmm. will never allow white backlash to uh, factor into my po politics. Like that's always a potential. Like the second you step outside, there might be some white backlash waiting on you. Of course. And if I and if I altered like what I thought based on like the potential for white backlash, I would never get anything done. So like I have to stand firm on these things. So if it's like, oh well, white people are just going to be mad, let them. I get mad yeah, too. Pretty much. And if I got reparations, time. it's gonna be a much harder fight than you think. Y'all did not true. do real good in Vietnam, just saying. Well, real talk. All right, let's, we got a few more minutes. Let's, let's let Brie Brie keep digging her hole. Who do engage in that more long-term effort and, you know, Wait, people Daryl Davis is a wonderful person. Daryl Davis is also one man. Shannon Foley Martinez is another example of someone who works with former but again, isn't, this is isn't, not scalable. These are these are years long intimate emotional right. stuff. I think if you want social policies that make life less of a hideous, precarious ladder over an abyss, fine. But know that every one of these people is going to fight you every step of the way of implementing these policies because they will go to people of color too. So like, why why is in why is it an individual act? What are you Daryl even David? for? Well, I, I, let's try to figure that out, Talia. I'm, but I'm curious about Thank it. Why you. is it an individual act? So, sorry, I want to pause real quick because I wish MG was here because this comes back into my brain. Do y'all remember when MG was like, y'all keep recruiting the right, but that's not going to work because they're going to start forcing you to throw people out your coalition or throw people's issues out the coalition for them to be more comfortable. So over time, you're going to just end up losing people. Yeah, I'd like to point out, yep. we already have to do that with the Palestinians. Like, we're not allowed to talk about the Palestinian people's plight and the Democratic Party, if you're for it. That's not, that's like taboo. So we're already held back in other ways when we're standing for other people's rights. Mm -hmm. Just to not send money to Israel so that we don't kill Palestinian civilians. and Children, babies, yeah. Oh, absolutely but um what did she say just now she oh. what are what are you advocating for yes really what are you advocating for with this conversation what was your goal with this i have to know because you keep saying well it wasn't really about cozying up to the nazis it was just about cozying up to the nazis and humanizing them yeah. and making sure that we have space for them on the left pretty much pretty much she's 
Talia at this point is every lefty who's been fighting the Democratic Party for at least four years, if not longer, because it's been decades that lefties have been trying to pull us to the left against them begging the right folks on the right. It's, mm-hmm. it's all of us saying, we're so tired of this argument. It never works. And let's just go after people that we can get, not the, unt- uh, not the folks who are never going to be persuaded. Mm-hmm. Folks who are killing themselves currently for their own political beliefs to uphold Republican governors like DeSantis who are selling Regeneron um, and, and speaking at Regeneron rallies and telling people not to take the vaccine, but you know, they're getting sick. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Like there, she's never gonna beat this mindset. I agree. I, I, I think, is this work avoidance y'all? No, I think this is work. I think this is an audition. Yeah. I want to know when she's going to go full on right wing. I give it like three years because I could definitely see her moving into that like center right space. That little Dave Rubin shift. Mm-hmm. Well, the left left me. Mm-hmm. I think she's trying to I get totally over there with that. Simone Sanders. You know, mm. Simone had some great political acumen about what was going to happen. And a hell of a shoulder. Do y'all remember she tackled old dude? Get out of here. Yeah, I, she Bobby, she Bobby Boucher, that dude. Not in my house. <laughs> That's when I wanted I like her it. on my side. I was like, hmm, she's great. You know, for for that purpose, she had she was focused. <laughs> uh, that terrible, Edie. All that secret service and you out here being a body bag. You crazy. Well, but, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to say anything about by that, but I just thought No, no, I know you did it, Edie. No, I know you did it. It is, you know, it's okay. You're white. <laughs> One man. Shannon Foley Martinez is another example of someone who works with formers. But Again, this is not scalable. These are these are years long, immensely intimate, emotional stuff. I think if you want social policies that make life less of a hideous, precarious ladder over an abyss fine but know that every one of these people is going to fight you every step of the way of implementing these policies because they will go to people of color too so like, why why is in yes, why is it an yes. individual act what are you Cyril even David? advocating for well i, I I'm, let's try to figure that out taya i'm but i'm curious about is why is it an individual act when someone like daryl david uh, daryl davis does what he does um for those who don't remember uh daryl davis is a black man who you know, famously has a number of like clan robes in his closet because every time he talks a clan member out of being in the clan, they like they give him a robe and he's like he's like the great anti you know, clan whisperer. Um and he's also like a, a panty apparently a very renowned jazz musician. Robe. Um but it's 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 interesting to me to see it as an individual act when it's Daryl David, but not an Dave, Davis, but not an individual act when an individual decides to put brass knuckles on and punch a Nazi. And it what I'm what I'm questioning is the scalability, the reason I'm questioning it is because I think most people, a lot of people aren't going to feel able or safe to do the Nazi punching, right? So it doesn't seem to me, I'd, I would say like, why not both? If you if you are adherent to Nazi punching, I mean, great. I mean, like, fine, fine. I'm certainly not arguing against that. But I am concerned about saying that we want to minimize the potential 
effects of doing the alternative approach and why what I wanted what the reason I wanted to talk to you about that Talia is because you have an exposure to what it's like to be in those spaces and potentially some insights that other folks who haven't engaged in that project don't have and I'm curious to pick your brain about whether or not for example when you're on these dating sites pause so I brought you here to not talk about the work that you do I brought you here to talk about what I want to talk about with you. That was it, right? Yeah. And honestly, when Talia asked her, like, what are you advocating for? She didn't go into like, well, I'm trying to figure out a way to get to Medicare for all. She didn't, she didn't jump into any of those bags. It's like, for some reason, we have to build this coalition in her mind. Mm -hmm. And, and this is the same thing she was talking to with Eddie Glaude, right? Keep going. Yeah, no, nah, I, I mean, I think that's the goal. Like, and from her perspective, like, there's, like, I don't even think it's about the lefty shit to a certain degree. Mm. I think it's about, like, trying to, I don't know, just build this coalition. It's kind of like the Pan-Africanists that want to just organize Black people just to organize. Like there mm -hmm. is no greater goal after that. It seems like it's for Bree, yeah, for Bree, some of this is we have to connect the far left with the far right, just to just to have that unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the third way. It's the uh, enlightened centrist. Well, I, I alone, I, I am above everyone, and I see there's flaws on both sides, so everybody should listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll, I'll weaponize certain things against you. But, you I know, thought it was I, interesting. Here, oh, hold on. Um, Josiah, you're muffled. No, I just okay. I need you to How about now? make sure you it sounds, because I can't. Yeah, that's much better, because whatever you just said, it was so muffled for me. Oh, I don't even remember. I was on a roll. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Anybody remember the last thing? I'll catch it later. Y'all go ahead. I want to know why the Anything Brianna went into this interview without knowing what she was advocating for. Because she said, I don't know. Let's talk about it. Let's work it through. Well, well <laughs> why is it up to Talia to decide? You had her on to talk about her book. Like, she already told you what she's advocating, advocating for. Why are you trying to talk her out of it? Mm -hmm. As we've spoken, I also recalled uh, NPR segment. I used to be an avid listener, listener of NPR and um, till the Koch brothers started giving money until I found out mm -hmm. they did. So I do remember a segment and I can't remember how many years ago, but they're pushing this as well, talking about how an older white person and an older black person had become friends and they had been friends for years and major kumbaya moments and stuff. And I don't remember if the white person had overcome their racism or not, but like this is being pushed for a while. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know why. I, I only advocate with people and build coalitions with people that I want in my house. And I'm not having any of those people in my house. I feel you. I don't want I to want to you. I, I don't support, I think this is anti-American. I think this is negotiating is. with terrorism. 
it is. I feel like the whole world went to war over this Nazism thing. And for some reason, now we suddenly want to play nice with these people. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And again, it's not like the Nazis of today didn't know what they were doing. Like I didn't get much of the, uh, what happened during World War II during school, but I knew what the Nazis did to the Jewish folks. Mm-hmm. So you ain't gonna tell me some 30 year old neo-Nazi didn't know what he was signing up for. You preaching, cause they teach the Holocaust in school. Like think about like, you didn't just fall into this. That's not what happened. No, you went looking for something and you got it. It's not my job. It's not my country's job to fix you. Not for this. This is the one time I'm gonna let America off the hook. (laughs) One time. Once. I feel like compromising on some some things. Y'all seem to be real comfortable doing it to black people. And as far as their free speech and all this other stuff, Nazism is not welcome in America. You don't get no free speech. That's Washtika says, you clearly don't give a damn about these American ideals. Captain America don't rock with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Staying with that Confederate flag. Yeah, those are all the same to me. I Mm -hmm. assume that somebody who's got a Confederate flag up in their yard is a-okay with Nazis too. Oh, those are anti-American terrorists as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's our problem. That's why Nazis, that's why Nazis or neo-Nazis are able to proliferate here, right? Because we allowed them to break out their right. own flag in the early 1900s. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, here we are, you know, they put up their statues and um, they got their um, carving on the rock in Stone Mountain. And, mm-hmm. and here we are, they fly their flag, terrorizing people, they're terrorists. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to bother with them either. Do you ever engage in any kind of conversations that tried to see what would happen if you raised doubts about being a white supremacist or, you know, brought up, well, there's this one black person at work who's okay. And sometimes, you know, what, what, no, what are those, those kind conversations of conversations like? Happen. Those conversations, bar- incel spaces bar women, like, the whitedate.net is whitedate.net. Like, what, I'm supposed to write to people who are talking about like the evil Marxists and darkies and and say like, um, actually, like black people aren't so bad after all. I mean, honestly, if I had known that this was going to be an extended conversation about the utility of de-radicalization versus anti-fascism, I would absolutely have not agreed to be on this podcast because I've gotten this banal question over and over and over again, and I loathe it at this point. Like. People like I I I mean I understand coalition building and desires, but like I I I I, I find it that like Breathe. most people aren't capable mm-hmm. of engaging in like the w- with this level of like being in those spaces is it fucking like dipping your head in acid, and I did it for a year and a half. I wouldn't ask anyone else to do it. And I wouldn't expose myself to emotional intimacy with those people on a real level, like not through the mask of an avatar. I don't, like, I, I wouldn't, I mean, maybe because I'm a Jew, I wouldn't wind up radicalized, 
in the same way, but like anyone is susceptible to propaganda, like, like asking people to like, like, like imbibe white supremacist propaganda and engage in emotional intimacy with white supremacists, which is what de-radicalization entails, a deep, 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 deep emotional intimacy of years long relationships of talking conversation. And like, yes, that is inherently more personal than a punch in the face. Uh, you know, like I've done some crazy shit, like just even after the book, like around the election, I, I was, you know, undercover and like, uh, uh, like the 3% Georgia's security force, uh, uh, like walkie talkie channel. Uh, I had a false identity. I had a false face. I did an over an hour long interview. I had a backstory, emotions. I talked to people, you know, it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's fine. But I had a, uh, mask. I had the protection of a lie to cover me. Uh, if I had just been naked to those sentiments, like, I don't know that I would have even gotten through it. Like it was hard enough as it was. Uh, like this stuff is aqua regia. These conversations that take place in Nazi chat rooms, these conversations that take place on these forums are poison. They are poison and they are perpetual radicals, perpetual emotion machines of radicalization. Um, so yeah, like maybe, I mean, and if you went in and you said like, Hey, like knock it off, don't talk about immigrants that way. You just be kicked out. And they'd like, and they'd well, I, don't, anyway. I don't know that that's what I said, Talia, but that, that, that characterization yeah, aside, I, I totally understand and would never ask anybody to engage in de-radicalization either. I mean, I, I've had this conversation in what, other contexts where, you know, there's a certain strain. Cut, 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 cut. Then what the has this whole conversation been about? She was literally saying that we should coalition build with these people and we should use de-radicalization to do it. And now she's saying, I didn't say that we should do that. Am I wrong? Can I go, can I go back a couple seconds? Cause the fuck? Okay, where was she? So she starts talking again. Like, and they well, talk I don't, to anyway. I don't know that that's what I said, Talia, but that, that, that characterization aside, I, I totally understand and would never ask anybody to engage in de-radicalization either. I mean, I, I've had this conversation in other contexts where, you know, there's a certain strain, for example, of political discourse among a lot of kind of black liberals that will say, it's not my job to teach you about racism. You know, it's you educate yourself, pick up a book, you know, that kind of lingo, which is fine. It's extremely taxing. I've spent my entire life as a black woman in predominantly white spaces. Apples and oranges. Black people are oppressed in this country. Black Americans who descend from chattel slavery come from a long, long line of oppression. So whereas me, Mud, MG, Josiah, we take time to educate you white people through our show. That is not our responsibility and that burden should not fall on us. Now we choose to do it, but we also are educating our people in the process. But for you to be like, oh, well, um, you know, a lot of black people, that's not the same as people not wanting to build coalitions with Nazis. Like what? I'm not saying that white people don't struggle in this country, but y'all do not have that kind of systemic oppression that's going on for Black Americans who descend from chattel slavery. So you can't even compare these two. Am I wrong? This is apples and oranges, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I... Josiah, go ahead. Well, no, I wanted to hear what you were going to say, Mud, or, or whoever. Go ahead, whoever goes. Go ahead, Mud, you got this? No, I just think that the, the thing that we're doing is different because it's not necessarily like we're going to the the worst of the worst of white people and we're trying to make them see things our way. We're trying to reach everyone we can with this. Um, and, you know, if we can't reach them, then, you know, it's not for them. That That's just basically it. I'm not trying to, I'm not gonna spend the hours of my night sitting here arguing with people in our YouTube comments. Like we got one person that's just like a straight up white supremacist or in our YouTube comments. I never respond to them. There's, there's no point. Um, they are just there to, to talk shit. So let them talk shit. Um, but this idea that like we need to sit here and, and, and take our time with Nazis and, and reform them, like it is completely different. And for those people, who, the black people that choose not to like, just, I don't, I don't want to talk to white people about racism. They need to pick up a book. That is, that's just their choice. It's, it's not like, you're right that these things aren't comparable. It's, it's, I don't know, like Bree is saying that we need to, you know, de-radicalize these people out of one side of her mouth. And then he's saying that she doesn't expect people to do that work out the other side of the mouth, out of her mouth. So what exactly is she saying? That's that's the real question that I think everyone is trying to figure out. And it, it just seems like she's trying to appease like these white supremacists or try to find some way to convince people that we need to to make space for them when in reality we we really don't. We need to make spaces where people understand that this shit is not acceptable. And I mean, that's about all we could really do. I mean, that's what I got. I think something far more insidious is happening here. I think her agenda here is to de-radicalize my white people. I, exactly. think, I think her goal is to like target the Antifa people and say, you don't need to do this. All this violence stuff, that's not really necessary. I mean, it was necessary when we were pretty violent towards the Nazis over in the 40s, but not anymore. Nazis are acceptable these days. We can even allow them on the left. Because I mean, who doesn't need some class policies, right? Got to build those coalitions. I understand why Tyler is so frustrated. I'm, I'm almost surprised she haven't just like ended the Zoom I would have hung up. Yeah, yeah whatever the up. case she needs to be. Because I would have done it by now. Yeah, I would have hung up. I couldn't have oh, done it. But my radical white people, if you need to know how to shut down a Bree if she's coming at you with this, reparations. Immediately. Reparations. Yeah. That's what you do. Well, I, as a black person, you should be thinking about reparations instead of trying to de-radicalize Nazis. You got more important issues. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
I agree. That's for my radical white people. Now, don't try to get too fly now unless you can fight. Cause that ain't gonna work for everybody, but do what you do. No, it's true. Yeah, like I said, just watching this, and I'm glad that we started with her defense of it. So she spoke for herself, she defended herself, and I see her defense as some bullshit. How about y'all? She's a liar and collaborator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think she's trying to build a career for herself and Mm -hmm. no matter no matter what happens to the people that's the thing like she has no connection to black people and I know I keep saying that but I need people to understand it because like not to poor black people because like her strategy is dangerous for us it's very dangerous I just wanted to say this real quick uh, I don't think we need to qualify this by saying she doesn't she's not connected to poor black people I don't middle class black people rich black people we're not trying to like create coalition no matter how much fucking money we got like that's that's insane i agree and these folks don't have money either like why like we're talking about a group of people that aren't like majority in the one percent with your everyday you know nazi confederate guy or woman right yeah, We're but 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 the, but when there's a good amount, of, but it's about but they uh they crowdfund man, they pull their resources because think about it is poor white people still have money, like they not destitute, some of them That's are, true. but a lot of poor whites are are still they still you know they still will make like fifty thousand dollars a year, but they own their home and live on family property, you know what I mean, or sixty thousand dollars a year, so sixty five thousand dollars a year and you don't pay rent and you live on a good property somewhere that was left to you in the South or something like that, that's bread because you ain't got expenses. That's and they true. got generations of mechanics and like, like local Yeah, they know how to do all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that Brianna should just read uh, Talia's book. And maybe that would, if she had read the whole book, maybe she wouldn't have had to ask Talia to help her uh, understand what she was advocating for. Yeah, you know, you should at least, if you're going to invite people on to interview them, you should at least read the cliff notes of the book. It just seems like she brought her on to talk about something that isn't what she does. Like, that, it's not something she wanted, she wants to do. Like, she basically was saying that to write her book, she had to immerse herself in this horrible, hateful place. And even as a person who was secure in herself and who is a Jewish person, she was like, if I wasn't so centered, this could have took me. That kind of seems like what she was kind of saying, like if I just wasn't so focused in who I, so why would you want to bring people into that kind of set, push people into that, right? So you're talking about de-radicalizing, what happens when the people you send in to de-radicalize get radicalized? Because with anything, you can only help people who want to be helped. Also, what do you do about the white backlash? Yeah. Because white people ain't going to take too kindly to anybody telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. Remember January 6th? Yeah. Just every day since then, every day in the pandemic. Like we see that people feel, I don't know, we're dealing with a lot of recalls in California, so I'm bitter. 
and uh, yeah, and I'm, that's a whole nother move. <sighs> so I'm telling you, there's great struggles in the Dem Party. I think Brianna's laid her stake about where she wants to go in the Dem Party. Yeah, she just wants to make money. I think she just wants to make money. She's starting to give me Kamala Harris vibes, and what I mean by that is Kamala Harris kind of goes where the wind blows. So like Jimmy Dore is carving this, you know, this whole red brown alliance space and she sees him making money like that so she can get in on that i feel like this is strictly about making money because this video this this is terrible this is absolutely terrible all right uh let's do the last three minutes and then we can do final thoughts because this did turn into a marathon being called upon to do exactly that. And it is sometimes tiresome. I remember thinking in law school at a certain point, somebody should be paying me a professor salary instead of asking me to pay, pay the institution because of all the work I'm doing with my classmates after class ends, explaining to them this crap that the teachers in many respects aren't qualified to cover even though it's directly germane to the material. So I certainly empathize with that. But I also wouldn't ask any individual to engage in a physical altercation with a Nazi. I'm not asking anybody to do anything. What I'm trying to explore is the potential political utility of different kinds of options and to assess how effective de-radicalization actually is. I'm not making a claim or an argument right now. What I'm trying to do is have a conversation about what the limitations of various approaches are. So she finally got to the point of what this conversation was. Talia was not the person for this conversation. You booked the wrong person for the interview. That's it, right? She just basically said, I, I'm not saying that I want to do this. I'm just saying that this three, you need friends. Because what she's trying to do with Talia is basically when all of us sit around together in private, and throw out ideas and try to work them out to see what'll stick and what would what wouldn't. We would never do that shit in public. Like that seems like what she's trying to do here. Like, oh well, no, I'm not saying that we should. I'm just saying that we should we should study the utility. And that's why I'm just asking questions. Why are you asking an Antifa person about de-radicalizing Nazis? That's not what she wants to do. She wants to shame them. And if she has to commit physical violence, she will commit physical violence, but she wants them to go away and to not have court. Why would you talk to her about this project? Y'all got anything? No, nah, you're absolutely right. Okay, we can play the Isn't, I would like to oh, use go ahead, the I'd like to use the modern parlance and say, isn't this perhaps gaslighting? Like Ooh. she's actually talking to someone who has dedicated time to researching the issue. And then she's going to bully her into try changing her mind when she went out and did the research deeply. Yeah, that's it. I agree. It's, it's you know what it is? You know what it feels like? You know how when you're on Twitter and you're trying to explain people to things, people, things to people about reparations and they keep telling you, well, why don't you just do this? And you're trying to explain to them why it won't work, but they just keep pushing you. Like you don't research this and like you know nothing. Like uh, Talia's frustration, I understand. And if you actually go and read the comments on this, you're like, oh, she's so performative. She's this, that. No, this is not performative. She's pissed the fuck off. 
I've been this angry on this show. She's mad and she has a right to be angry. And Brianna doesn't get to say as a black woman, you don't have a right to be angrier than me. Obviously you're not connected to what's really going on and the real danger of it. Cause if you were, you would be angry. So we as a community can figure out the best way to go forward. I mean, I am just curious why you would ask a militant anti-fascist to talk about the utility Preach. of de-radicalization. This seems like a setup for frustration for both of us. Well, you know, I, I certainly am not intending to frustrate you. And I'm, I, I'm not, yes, you are. I'm not so frustrated. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I'm asking you the questions that naturally raised in my mind when I read your book. Is there some aspect oh, of the book that you would prefer to talk about? I mean, we haven't really talked in detail about what the book actually lays out. So I want to give you an opportunity to tell the audience what you think the biggest takeaway is and why you think that they should read it, what, what it is, in fact, about what your goals were in writing it. Make people aware of the perniciousness of the threat, make people aware of some of the ideological bases and the emotional bases that radicalization rests on. Uh, my encouragement was specifically to uplift the anti-fascist movement and to encourage people to become active anti-fascists, militant anti-fascists. Uh, it is explicitly a book endorsing uh, action of all kinds, including from behind the keyboard, behind the keyboard and in the streets to head this radicalization, the, 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 this radicalized movement of people who want to kill people that look like me and my family and people who look like you and your family. Uh, and head them off at the pass and, and to fight as urgently as they are fighting. Hey, YouTube, don't forget. And I find it that the gag is she brought her on her show and only gave her five minutes to actually talk about her book, which is why she was supposed to be there when it wasn't behind the paywall. Can y'all hear me? Did she give yeah. her five minutes? I don't know that she gave her five minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you get what I'm saying, right? Like the fuck? Yeah. Talia, yeah, right. Was, I don't see why you why you brought me here to talk about this. Go ahead. Who would like to go first for final thoughts? Well, I mean, I'll I'll just say this. I think Talia kind of summed it up. Like this was an exercise in frustration on both sides. And I really don't understand the point of this, other than I guess maybe. Bree is trying to be controversial in some type of way. Like she, she won't she attention. Um, but yeah, this was not, this was not informative. This was not something that like really, it didn't really even, we didn't really even get like some detailed information about what exactly Taya went through yeah, and it seems like it would have been an interesting story. Yeah, like, like we should have gotten some details about how depraved these people are and what exactly, you know, their plot and, and like their thoughts are as far as like how they want to see society move forward based on her experience in, in, the, in these uh these spaces that, you know, the average person isn't in, 
And I don't know. I don't think we got any real like depth in that regard. Like we didn't get any, like we just scratched the surface and this whole thing was about, I guess, Bree's mission to try to make friends with Nazis. And yeah, I'm, I'm just frustrated. I feel like I almost I'm feel like I wasted my time. I feel like I wasted my time recording this show because like the first, like the first few things that we said pretty much summed up everything we experienced after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this <laughs> Bree needs to be stopped. <laughs> like, yes, that's the conclusion yes. I'm coming to. Like, we need She's to cancel Dr. Evil, yo. She's Dr. Evil for real. Bree. Yes, and that's what she was talking about. Oh, well, you know, with you know, with me making my livelihood online, yeah, you need to be canceled, boo. It's time for you to go back to using that law degree. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, go be a traffic honestly, court attorney. Honestly, I'm joking because I'm not going like. I'm not gonna. Like, yeah, we don't do cancel culture. We're not. Yeah. We're not signing any petitions. Like we don't give a fuck about free like that. These are jokes, people. These are jokes. But, yeah, I'm just. I'm just talking shit, and you know, if she decides to do something else, I hope that's something she does. Um, you know, based on her own thought process and and where she sees this shit going, because this is not this is not working out well for her. She, she's made the argument before that she was making more money as a lawyer than doing political work. And like you said, she probably needs to go back to being a lawyer because I don't see her like winning a bunch of people over. I don't That's know, I haven't, I haven't looked at her numbers to see if like if, if her shit is like growing and growing and growing. Uh, for some reason, I think it, it's probably it probably grew in the beginning, and now it's, it might be stagnant. But you know, that's just me, you know, talking out of my ass. But yeah, you gotta do the research. <laughs> yeah, doing doing interviews like this, I don't see how this can help her career. I don't think she's going to be able to get back into mainstream politics. Like, wow. yeah, I don't know what the fuck she's doing, and fuck Bernie Sanders for doing this. He yeah, brought three into pepper. our lives. Thanks. Yeah, you... I'm I'm sorry, Edie, but you know this this was this is probably the worst thing Bernie Sanders did as far as elevating Bree. And that's all I got. Man, <laughs> that oh. sucks. Well, Edie, sorry, could... you got. I'm gonna let you go next. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I can't disagree on some of the staffing. Uh, issues we had with Bernie Sanders campaign, they were rampant. So I agree with you there. Um, but I don't like saying fuck Bernie Sanders. Dang, you know, do we have to go that far? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But you don't I, have to. Okay, so I won't. <laughs> but you go right ahead. Okay. So I thought it was interesting and I just like to encourage Bree to read the book and say that like when she gives the example of this is just like when um, black people tell white people that they don't have time to teach you this, just go read the book. In this example, Brie is the white person who's refusing to go and read the book. She's not the black she person. Said she holding read it. <laughs> yeah. So here she has a Jewish woman who went and infiltra- infiltrated 
Nazi groups and she's got the book for her and she ain't reading it. So just, you know, when you're giving those examples out, Brie, come on, let's get those together. Read the book and, and not over sensationalize what's going on. Um, I, I, I'm not even over, over sensationalized. Like, let's not push Nazis. That's yeah. all I got to say. That's it. Um, I'm gonna go next. I'm gonna let Josiah bring us home because I don't have a lot to say. I agree with Mud. Like this interview was stupid, and you went on the hill and misrepresented what you did in this interview. You brought up de-radicalization. You didn't use the word de-radicalization, but you basically were like, is there something that we could do with these people who may be white supremacists to get them to just focus on the fact that they need health care? She didn't say healthcare, but I'm using that as an example. They that they need, you know, that they need healthcare and they should just come together in a coalition with black and brown people and white people on the left. So yeah, you did. You basically said, why don't we let people who identify themselves as racist or white supremacists join, you know, join the tent? Or why don't we try to de-radicalize them and get them to see why it's important for them to be part of the tent? And she's telling you, I'm not fucking interested in doing that or having that fucking conversation. She should have pivoted after like five minutes when Talia wasn't having it. Like they just went round and round and round for like 20 minutes, 21 minutes. You could have switched the conversation. She obviously doesn't want to talk about that. That's not her work, switch to the book. And then now all the stuff about Talia's book is behind the paywall. I don't fuck with you. I'm not paying to watch that shit. I gotta go on YouTube and see if I can find the other fucking interview of Talia that was actually done right so I can see what the woman's talking about because it sounded fucking interesting. God, I hope she has a TED talk. But that's it. I'm tired of Brie Brie. Like, but Brie Brie, thank you for doing what I said. I said, I want you to say the same stupid ass bullshit that you say to a Jewish person in public where it could be recorded. So thank you for showing that when you say the same stupid shit that you say to black people, to a Jewish person, people get in your fucking ass. Go ahead, Josiah, bring us home. I wanna ask again, why did this conversation happen? The key takeaways I got from Brianna Greyjoy, or Joy Gray, pardon me, um, were that Nazis are humans too, they like mm -hmm. to eat beef and pineapple juice, and we have space for them on the left. Yep. Two days later, she's on Rising, um, weaponizing her identity against uh, an Antifa member, um, trying to make sure that people know that just because you support Nazis or just because you're, you're okay with Nazis, that doesn't make you a Nazi sympathizer. I mean, you, you might have a little sympathy for them, but that's, that doesn't make, it's not okay to call people names, even if those names are 100% accurate to their behavior. And I think that's what she went on Rising to do. I think she actually mm -hmm. intentionally like provoked Talia because she knew what that conversation was gonna, she knew where the <coughs> conversation was gonna go. She knew who she was talking to. Yep. This, this would that. be like her pulling me on, onto her show to talk about reparations and think it's not going to get heated if we're not, going into a pro reparation space mm -hmm. like you know start talking about how we need to add people of color because they've been oppressed too and we need to do something for everybody yeah y'all gonna fight y'all gonna have issues 
it, like you know my politics on this issue. So there's no reason for us to have a 15 minute back and forth about something that I wrote, written a book about telling you doesn't work. Like this is completely ridiculous. Bree, you have completely embarrassed yourself. You've embarrassed the black community. Um, and as the rightful king of Wakanda, I hereby banish you. For real. I asked you along, like a lot of you black leftists, I keep asking y'all stay out of my black politics. And I wasn't even gonna address this issue because I thought this wasn't a black people thing, but then you just had to invoke that as a black American. I don't appreciate mm -hmm. it. That's not for you. As a black woman. That's not for you. You can say as a leftist, you can say as mm -hmm. a class policy enthusiast, as mm -hmm. a black American, that's not for you. You gave the whole Harvard lecture and I watched it. So you go be an individual, you go be Bree Bree. The black Americans, we're not teaming up with the Nazis. It's not happening. I'm sorry. So we thank you guys. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, um, don't be sorry, please. Brianna, you, what you allowed uh, your white leftist friends to do to Tim Black, where was your, as a black American, I cannot allow you to call this man a grape threatener? Oh, oh mm. since we're doing this, let's have a conversation about this. Hold on, I gotta sit down, let's go, keep going. Mm -hmm. Because you were all like, as a black American, I can't stand for certain things because of my historical positioning. But you knew about Tim's historical positioning and as a black American, you allowed it to happen. Where was your antennas? I need to know if you suddenly care about these things, where were you a week ago? It, exactly, exactly. Cause you could have came out and said, I don't agree with Tim saying what he said about me, but I know that he did not have any intents of violence or great threatening. Everything else he says, I disagree with. And I think he's on some bullshit. She could have just said that and kept pushing. But for her to just let them try to put him out here like he was this angry beast who was threatening to grape her, uh-uh, no. No, a grown ass man with grandkids and a wife that he loves and talks about all the time on the show, he gonna give all that up to go try to great breed. That's some stupid shit. You should have came out and spoke against that shit. You should have came out real simple. It could have just been a press, it could have been a little press release. It could have just a simple thing. Or you could, you got a whole show. Could have, little two minutes. You know, Tim Black was out of line for the things that he said about me. And I'm not saying that he was, I'm saying I'm talking as free. Because he was 100% spot on. You have, you just don't care about what happens to the black people in this country. You don't. You just want to see class. But the problem is these class policies don't make the society better the way that you want it to. Because we're so fucking far in the hole. And the Appalachian whites that are negative 12,000, they far in the hole too. So without a federal jobs guarantee actually being pushed into this, Medicare for all does not keep me from being poor. I can't eat Medicare for all. It just keeps me from dying. Like, come on, Brie, and free college. I don't have time to go to college. I'm trying to feed these fucking kids. So, or like Mark said last night, I hated school. I don't fucking want to go to college. So what's next? So. Bree, you are a monster. You are an absolute monster. You are absolutely maniacal. Like this is some megalomaniac shit. Can I can I jump in real quick? Please. Please. Um, and this is 
you know, I know we've been here long and we probably want to end it, but no, I'm so good. she's I talking about good. like this whole thing was about coalition building. Well, especially like coalition building with people who are perceived to be your enemy. Well, why didn't she reach out to Tim Black to maybe go on a show and try to see if they can smooth things out? Mm-hmm. Or on the other side, um, when it comes to black people, she she basically said, well, let's take our universal policies and just slap on top of it that this is for black people and that's how mm-hmm. we're gonna win them over. Well, why doesn't she just take her universal policies and slap? This is for Nazis on top of it. And that's how she goes back over it. Yeah, why we gotta go make friends with them? Like she tells us, these policies will disproportionately benefit you. So why don't you stupid Nazis want them? Yeah, Bree. You are you are a monster. And I don't watch your other shows. I really don't watch you because like I said, I find her very boring and dry. And you know, not all of her politics are terrible. It's just her black politics that are really fucking terrible. And her race politics are really fucking terrible. Her and like Holly has said, like you're not worried about my safety or go ahead. Please go ahead. I was just gonna say it was her it's her willingness to compromise. Like mm-hmm. we're in a position where we can't compromise anymore. We compromising was what's got us to this position. If we compromise anymore, mm-hmm. we just go backwards. Mm-hmm. So like the age old idea of, well, let's just compromise on the black issues, kind of how the Clintons did, uh-huh. like, that doesn't work anymore. We don't have enough for you to compromise us. So mm-hmm. you're working on these nineties politics for black people. And like, they didn't work Ooh. when you thought they worked. And like you want to, you have time to humanize Nazis, but you don't have time to humanize black people. Like, I just don't appreciate that. I'm pretty sure Tim Black and the Wolfpack don't appreciate that shit either. Like, I keep telling y'all black people on the left, y'all have to do better when it comes to holding down black people, because we're the only ones who are going to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to go up there and say, as a black woman, you, be, you better be fighting for policies that specifically help Black people. If not, like like my man said, you need to be saying as a leftist. As, a, as an American leftist, that's what you need to be saying. They don't like her either. I know they don't. And it's so funny because the same people that was all in Tim's ass last, you know, at the beginning of last, you know, at the beginning of last month, are the same people now who are coming for Brie for her for her ideal about kissing, you know, kissing, you know, holding hands and kumbayaing and building coalitions with Nazis. She wants to build coalitions with white supremacists. That's what she said. She said people who are racist and white supremacists. <clears throat> so there's not there's nothing to be said about that. Like I ain't doing that shit. I'm not doing that shit. I'll coalition build with anybody over policy, but if you're gonna be out here on some Nazi shit and you hate niggas and you hate Jews, I'm not having no coalitions with you. I don't care if we agree on everything. I'm not building a coalition with you because once we get everything, you might change the terms and conditions and try to come and get your shit back from the blacks and the Jews. I'm not with it. 
and you're not going to convince me to be with it. And are the Nazi folks even with Medicare for all? Like, is this even worth it? I don't know. Uh, all of it is just insane. Bree, Bree needs Bree needs some friends that she can sit and have conversations with behind the scenes. Because again, if while reading this book that Talia wrote all about how extreme Nazism is and how extreme these people are, and just what goes into people becoming radicalized and the, you know and the pitfalls of the, if while you're reading this book, all you can think about is, man, I wonder how we de-radicalize these people. This says a lot about who you are. And since that's what you got from reading the book, Talia was not the person to bring on. You should have brought on somebody else and then just brought up how, you know, I was reading this person named Talia's book and it was about this, this, this. And I started wondering, can we actually de-radicalize these people and actually talk to a, a person who used to be a Nazi who has been de-radicalized and who now does de-radicalization work? That's who you should have talked to. So, like I said, fuck Brie. I'm gonna keep saying it. I don't care. Like, she's a fucking enemy. Like, she's an enemy, and she's not even just the enemy to the blacks. And I see why Jewish people came at her because people who Jewish people who are descendant from the Holocaust understand how those type of coalitions can go bad. Because as soon as we start saying it's okay for us to ally with Nazis. What happens when shit starts really popping off and gets real? Those same people who thought those alliances were okay are going to sit back and be quiet. The same way in Germany when shit started popping off. A lot of people, some people were involved. Other people, they just sat and did nothing, which is just as bad. That's it. I'm done. So are we done? I guess we should just chalk this up as a fuck free and uh add it to our, our already longer than life free fucking uh, marathon just in case so when she fucks up again we can start all over and play it again because I swear the way Brie keeps fucking up I'm gonna end up playing that shit like four times a year all right that's it y'all got anything else let's all say bye to the people we appreciate y'all but we tired we out yeah peace out peace and reparations to everybody Yes, peace and reparation. Hey, this is MG from Reset Race. We're growing and so is our mission. Because of this, we're looking for volunteers to join our team. The skills we need most right now are researchers, video editors, and men and women to do voiceovers. If you're interested in helping out, go to activifypress.com slash volunteer. Again, activifypress.com slash volunteer. We hope to hear from you soon. Peace and justice from myself and the rest of the Reset Race crew. For a period of nearly 80 years, between the Civil War and World War II, black Southerners were no longer slaves, but they were not yet free. In one of the most shameful and little-known chapters of American history, 
generations of black Southerners were forced to labor against their will. If you won't listen to me when I make an appeal for the Negroes, because you have no concern for the Negroes, listen to me when I make an appeal for America. You claim you love America. Well, we love America. Should you try to pretend that I'm crazy because I want America to be saved? And then you think we have no right to ask for something? Is it too much to ask you to grant us human dignity? Should we be put down and shot to death for this request? If so, you can aim your guns. What the hell do you think we care about dying if you're going to deny us the right to live? Yeah. Welcome. The penny is taken. Uh. <laughs> Self-medicating like Dr. Sebi But not with natural things that come from the earth Man tampered with the substance that had false sins above it So I'm drinking, drugging, thinking how will I survive In the land where my ancestors worked till they died They looking down on my people, I'm never surprised We accepted non-acceptance, they claim we made the divide Like we chose to come here, they was forcing them They didn't break when they got dropped, they wasn't porcelain Generations of being boxed out to torturing To this present day, somebody push us, we torturing The water we swim in is so vast and deep you try to swim in the shit and you're hurting your old police For the people who don't know, that's the muscles in your stomach Cause off the trip alone, we all should have been gone Where your grandparents from, like your great granny led I gotta ask the hard questions, cause Alex Trebek dead If you're ahead, why? Is your ethnic group successful in America? Above Negroes, you think you're special? Take your whole ethnic group and place them in our shoes Would they even survive? Would you even be alive? I mean, we live on the soil that my ancestors taught Blood splattered on the leaves Dropping to the dirt, it gave nutrients to trees On plantations, we try to run from Got caught, them same trees we swung from I'm just trying to paint a picture clearer than before Black people who family was here before the Civil War And still here every other war after Legal chattel in the United States of America And there's a simple way to break down my lineage With slavery, then Jim Crow, and in between was Pennyage and in between was penny itch, uh, and we still living it, right? African-American workers, they don't have tools, they can't supply themselves with seed and other equipment. This is supplied by the landowner. And rather than being paid cash, they are paid a share of the crop. Each year you borrow money 
And at the end of the year, often you can't pay it back because the price of cotton is falling and what you get for your crop is not enough to actually pay off your debts. So instead of getting out of debt, they're falling further and further into debt each year. I was born in the late 1890s, somewhere in Arkansas. There were no doctors, my parents were sharecroppers. And their parents born slaves, landed the free. Hypocrisy of democracy was obvious to me. So I held since I was six on the same plantation that they brought my parents' grandparents to. How they gonna say that we free with no money, man? We ain't free. The sharecropper contract set up so we can't leave. And their parents signed it at the time, so they can't read. Jim Crow was in my face, separation like why My mama said, how it is, I'm looking white folk eye. Then time goes by, I'm 16, and all I know is survival. It's set up for me to turn into chattel, but I'm starting to feel like a tiger. And one day I'm downtown, walking down the street, a white man is walking toward me, and the gut is how I greet this day. I didn't move, I'm like, I won't fall for shit, and now this cracker trying to hang me like a Christmas ornament. My parents found out, and they already seen how this goes. Just a lifesaver, got a ticket, nothing but my clothes. Now I'm on the color section on the train, all alone is how I feel, chain gangs that's longer than cornfields I get to the Midwest city of your choice Trying to find my mom's friend But she poor living in a tenement Building kids, she got ten I go to the dock Cause I heard that's the spot to go get a new job But the whites won't let me rock Cause they won't let me join their union What is he doing? Being immigrants with class solidarity's a lot They hate Negroes too They ain't trying to share their pie Now I'm walking back home And I pass a juke joint Seen a brother dress cool And it was on point Getting all the attention I tell he was on some Bullshit. He had a new car, white people riding horses I'm like, how he get that? Like, how he did that? I'm like, damn, I had to sit back Like, how he lived that? So I approached him He seen I was young and I was hungry I'm like, goddamn, bro, I'm just trying to get some money Cause my family in the South, I gotta send some money back home Alright, bro, come on, I'm gonna put you on Started running numbers, security at the juke joint Then I had to prove points, I had to climb up He like, damn, I see that you strong, bro You remind me of me when I was younger Cause I can see your hunger and I can see your pain He put me on the game, then I had my own brother The white politicians would come and spend dollars On the low key, then he started catching more heat from the police They ain't wanna see a black man eat like that White folks can't sleep at peace like that Then he put him away for five years And I'm all alone, then he passed the empire down to me I got the throne now what I'm going to do to keep it strong, uh. Penage and involuntary servitude was created through the system of sharecropping. Negro is a term that was applied to us during slavery by the slave master. And to write it right today, it's a term that is used only to point out the descendant of slaves. It's never used for black people, period. Africans can come to this country. They aren't called Negroes. And if they are called Negroes, they resent it. So if Negro meant black, as we've been taught, it would be a term that would be applicable to or pliable to everyone. Like I ain't got a clue, it made me tap in the 
Benny Lou Trying to find hope when I can't see it A country that good is wrong, knowing we can't leave it But we been here, so the power, we must seize it If we don't fight, the next generation will inherit nothing, I can't see it Ask your grandparents about what happened in the 50s White middle class was growing in major cities In lots of states, they couldn't even use the bathroom Lots still worked in fields, never saw a classroom Heard of Fanny Lou speech, felt the spirit through the tomb Like the fetus feels a heartbeat in the mother's womb Can't give up, cause we came too far The road seems narrow, but we rise through the peril They hoping that we perish and become an asterisk In the history books with all the things they took my great-grandfather was a laborer You think he was getting paid like his white neighbors was? Everything we go through feeling stuck like glue It made me think about Fannie Lou True? It's true Uh, uh, uh When you feeling real stuck like you can't move You gotta tap into Fannie Lou True It's true It's true When I'm feeling lost like I ain't got a clue It made me tap into Fannie Lou Charlie Edwards' generation may wonder at the ways of Washington, but it's too old to make any demands. But when Mr. Edwards looks at Doddsville through the eyes of his son, returning from Vietnam, it's a different point of view. I think he ought to have some of what he, he needs. I think he ought to have a good home to live in. I think he ought to have baths in his house. I think he ought to have everything that a full man could have, especially when he went up against what's going on in Vietnam. I think so myself, if I had to go to Vietnam, I think if I went and took all the punishment, and you know, everything happened to me while I was in Vietnam, and then come back home, and couldn't have a decent bed to lay down in, and not a decent job, I don't think I'd feel like ever going back no more, for my country. I wouldn't feel like this for my country, not especially for my part of me. I'd feel like this for the other fellas did to me. When I think about that and how hungry people are in the South, then it makes me a little sick to say, how can they spend all that much money in another country and really not doing nothing at home? See, I think charity began at home and then spread abroad. Let us work, uh, 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 
was in the 1950s or 40s? 40s to 60s. So what would the repercussions be if you tried to leave or if you tried to refuse what they wanted? Back in them days, it, it, it was kind of like you had to do what the white man said or, or get killed. My dad and uncle, they made him dig a grave and kill him. They killed him first, casterized him and hung him up. Right from his house where he's cheering, everybody could see him.
fucked up, baby. Ain't it sad to see we're just yeah. surviving? Then he stayed. In a garden with a shooting room. Uh, 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 uh. Black America, it seems they hate us more than the terrorists All these mind games so stressful, gotta see therapists Living in conditions due to our social position But things would be different if white people were switched in They go and say I'm crying, victim, do it by yourself But victims never speak, that's why they see him as weak And they see us as a threat Coming to collect like loan sharks Cause they know they owe a debt A lot of Negroes slip through the cracks Go ahead and ball, but I collect the wealth small That's why it's no parachute that opens when you fall A lot of Negroes that fellas now Working at the mall or some shit like that uh, Have you ever been to American ghetto Seen blacks living in rebel churches Everywhere surrounded by devils And it make you want to scream like a kettle When the water's too hot We need better jobs, not more cops Before COVID, they been had us under quarantines Redlining costs not to spread like we were some disease And our bread didn't rise we ain't had the yeast Banks still denying loans, make it hard to get homes 13% of the population, 50% of the homeless population Despite building the nation, lead in the water in the walls making the kids sick Some is so hungry that they even eating paint chips yeah. Ain't that Ain't some shit? It's fucked up, man yeah. Seems like nobody care, right? Yeah. You gotta keep pushing though, man you know? I'm not gonna stop yeah, If you can't stop, we ain't got no other choice, man uh, 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 uh. You're running out of patience I'm done waiting. Always tell us to build on the swampy foundation. Ask politicians for help to tell us to pound pavement. Stop voting for these people, they'll do nothing to feed you. They won't serve our interests, forget it. I know they can see how we live in the prisons. You can't build a home with no lumber. Have you seen the wealth numbers? The next generation will have nothing, just suffering. Pressure bus pipes, politicians, not celebrities. Need to get on their neck and squeeze so they can't breathe. Metaphorically, we need political solutions. A wealth transfer control over institutions. When we call them out, they gon' say be friends to Putin And that's sad though, the only Russian I know is Drago Tired to see my people living with squalor, I see the pain White and black, middle class, wealth, feels not the same Trying to throw up people off the economic boat And chain rots to our ankles so the bodies won't float That's why black politicians all bought so easily I trust the CDC more than the CBC Cause they work for POCs, they ain't never work for me Complicit in policies that will do the worst to we We our own ethnic group, we can't run to the motherland my Ancestors built this bitch. This is my mother's land. You understand? Ain't it sad hey. to see we're just surviving in a garden where there should be room to grow? Ain't it sad to see we're just surviving in a garden where there should be room to grow? Ain't it sad to see we're just surviving? At first, I wanted to be white, you know, because my family was 20 of us, six girls and 14 boys. We would make 50 and 60 bales of cotton, gather all that cotton, and we wouldn't have food in the wintertime. So I figured then the white people must be right. But as I got older, I said, no, it's something wrong. And if I ever get a chance, I'm going to do something about it. I'm thinking about in terms of a better and a greater world for all people 
And we can't do that by me in one corner doing what I can do to hurt you and you in the other corner doing the same thing against me. Redlining lynchings, we are old from this nation. Not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG the wise one, cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire, anti-black, we pressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country, the way you need our energy. You gon' see, listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in the Reset Race. Uh, uh. You're listening to Reset Race. You're now tuned in the Reset Race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh, you're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America great. Uh, you're tuned in the Reset Race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to Reset Race, we focused on our justice plan, we know what is at stake, uh, you're tuned in to Reset Race, you'll find out we're really about justice and really who fake, uh. Until you do right by me, everything you think about is gonna crumble. 